What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here as we always do. How you doing, Rich? I'm doing good, man. Uh, we just watched a Kings preseason game. That is going to be up on the podcast feed before you hear this. And this is our final season preview. We saved the worst for last, our mortal enemies, the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, that's what we're covering today. Uh, excited to do it though, and Gary Kester here is with us. He's the co-founder of Lakers Outsiders and host of the Lakers Outsiders podcast. How are you doing today, Gary? Uh, doing pretty good. I was doing a lot better before that intro, but uh, <laughs> I think I'll be all right. You had to see it coming, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, maybe we can start with last year, this team. You know, they, they were doing well before Braun went down, and a lot of guys have left since then. A lot of them going to New Orleans for Anthony Davis, but what were some of the takeaways that you feel you can carry over into this season that you saw from last year? Um, one of the, I mean, really one of the main takeaways for me last year, because they invested a lot in playing time for Rajon Rondo. And I'm really hoping that it's kind of the opposite this year where he's just kind of on the team for his veteran presence and, and leadership. Um, Rondo had a, uh, he had a negative net rating while being on the floor with LeBron James last year, which I think is really hard to do. <laughs> when, whenever you're on the court with LeBron James, usually good things happen. Um, but yeah, for, for you know, a number of reasons, I, I just, I'm not sure about Rondo's fit with this team and it didn't really work last year and I'm skeptical about it this year. But uh, it's tough to really take away, I guess, a lot from last year because the, the roster turnover was so heavy. I mean, it's like a totally different roster. Um, I guess the main thing really is, I mean, they're going to have to keep LeBron and Anthony Davis healthy. Um, that's that's the main thing. If they do that, they'll have a chance to to make a decent run. And if not, you know, it could fall apart like it did last year. Yeah, that was going to be my first question. And that's the number one thing that I am looking for uh, to take away from last season is LeBron's health, specifically LeBron. Uh, because he did play only 55 games. He's been, you know, pretty much invincible for most of his career. The 55 games, it's a career low. Um, so I wonder, you know, how much of that was being careful? How much of that was, um, you know, knowing that they just didn't have the horses last year and, and, you know, giving him that extra rest down the stretch? And how much of it was legitimately LeBron is, is hurt, he's very hurt, and he cannot go? Well, it was it was definitely a combination of both. Um, I think he probably came back um, a little sooner than he would have liked to. As I think when he came back, you could still tell he probably wasn't fully healthy. But they were kind of at a critical point of their season where you know the, they were relying so many uh, so much on their young guys, uh, Alonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, um, all those guys, and they were struggling. They were really struggling because you know some other guys got hurt and uh, the wheels were really falling off. So they really needed LeBron back. Uh, quickly um, so we came back and I don't think he was fully healthy yet but he was still you know good enough to where it made a pretty big difference um, and some of those games were missed at the end of the year when they decided to shut him down because they weren't in the in the playoff race so um, yeah I mean it's 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 a concern because he's going to be 35 in December and, and father time gets everybody you know LeBron's just been uh, just a machine pretty much his whole career and has avoided injury he takes unbelievable care of his body uh, and his pre his physical preparation is you know among the best. So, um, yeah, it was. I mean, it's a it was a combination of both. Um, but I'm hoping with their season ending in April, 
I mean, really, LeBron's season ending in March, he got, you know, some additional rest to get his body right, and he'll be fresh and ready to go this year. And his workload's not going to be as heavy with with another star next to him. And, and last year, it was him and a bunch of young players. While I liked the young players um, that were on the team last year, um, it, it, it just that was just really tough and really a, a huge change for him um, coming from a team that, you know, had Kevin Love on it at least, and, and years prior, they had Kyrie Irving as well. So. Um, Hopefully with the workload a little lighter this year with Anthony Davis in the fold and an extended offseason because he hasn't had one of those in a while. He's always played till until June. Um, hopefully with those things, he'll be uh, a little healthier this year. Yeah, and before we move on to his running mate that was acquired with all those young guys, maybe you can tell us a little bit about uh, the coach that we took from you practically before he even left. Um, what did you think of uh, Walton's run last year and his entire run with the Lakers? What was his play style like, and what were some of your main takeaways from that? So Walton was kind of – when they hired him, I, I figured since he's coming from Golden State, and he had that that like half a season basically where he coached the team – uh, because Steve Kerr was recovering, I think, from back surgery, and they were 29 and four, I think, in the in the 33 games that he coached. And of course, you know, they had all the talent in the world, right? They had, you know, four uh, four Hall of Famers. I think, well, I think that was the year before they got Durant, but uh, just supremely talented. So you kind of a lot of people dismissed it as anybody can coach this team. But um, so I thought offensively, I thought he was going to be really good because the Warriors ran a lot of good stuff, a lot of good sets, and. Uh, found ways to get guys open consistently um, and it was actually the opposite he was actually a really good defensive coach the Lakers I thought kind of overperformed in terms of their personnel on the court uh, defensively uh, and then offensively there was just a little left to be desired um, and I think some of that was the Lakers were pretty lenient on who he hired on his staff and I noticed that his staff is quite a bit different now in Sacramento um, but really the, the staff that he had in LA just really left a lot to be desired. And um, I'm hoping for, for his sake, um, for your guys' sake uh, with a different staff, he's, he's got some better offensive minds because he was a, he was a really strong defensive coach, but offensively um, it was just kind of a lot of basic stuff and a lot of, you know, kind of clearing out for, for LeBron, maybe running some high screen roles. It wasn't, there wasn't a lot of creativity offensively. Um, but I think he's, I think he's a good players coach as well. I mean, being so young and so fresh out of the NBA, um, I think he relates to players well, and it'll be interesting to see, um, how he relates to the Kings roster. Cause the Lakers, the past few years have been super young. Um, so I'll, I'll be curious to see, uh, how he relates to the Kings young players. Cause I think he did a pretty good job of that uh, with the Lakers. Laker players seem to generally speak pretty highly of him. Yeah, so how about the coaching changes that happened for you guys going forward here? Um, it was a bit of a saga, and I mean, we should probably talk about the Magic uh, stuff as well, uh, that whole fiasco. But, um, you know, Tyron Liu didn't seem to get what he wanted in terms of uh, an offer, the terms of an offer, um, and he declined to be the coach. And then it went to uh, Frank Vogel and Jason Kidd as an assistant, which I think that has some people a little bit concerned. Uh, but what are your thoughts on the coaching staff and, and the uh, the summer, uh, who who they considered, who they brought in eventually, and especially on that Jason Kidd as an assistant? Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out what their infatuation with Jason Kidd was. Um, we've seen him as a head coach, and it didn't go very well, and he had Giannis Antetokounmpo on his team. Like He had a, good, a pretty good roster there in Milwaukee. Um, and it didn't really work out well in, in Brooklyn either. So I wasn't sure what the infatuation was with that. Initially, I thought they wanted Kidd on the staff for Lonzo Ball, and then they ended up trading Lonzo Ball. So I, at that point, I really didn't understand what well, what, the, what the point in bringing him in was. Um, and it's a little concerning that they had such interest in him, um, and they wanted a – they were offering head coaches three years. And, you know, the standard – coaching contract is five years in the NBA you want to give a coach time and if it doesn't pan out I mean you can always let him go um, but it seemed like the Lakers were kind of angling to set up a Jason Kidd hire down the road it was almost like they understood um, kind of the repercussions of it from in terms of like um, a PR perspective um, if they would have hired him this this offseason but 
I'm not really sure about it, but he does have kind of a relationship with LeBron James. Uh, they both were on uh, Team USA together um, a few years back. So um, I'm sure LeBron had some input with that, um, and I, I think that probably factors in somewhere along the way. But um, they they did hire um, an assistant coach, a player development guy, and Phil Handy, which is he's one of the more highly uh, respected um, coaches in the, in the NBA. And I, I'm, I'm really excited to see what he can do. I wish they would have gotten him a couple of years ago with the amount of young players that they had, because he's got a, a, an incredible track record in player development. But um, I, I like, I mean, I like Frank Vogel. I think he's pretty solid. I just didn't understand why they were offering three-year contracts. Um, it was just a really weird look, especially with, with a franchise like the Lakers that makes so much money, if they're really that worried about, paying a coach that doesn't pan out you know it's just like I, I don't know it, it was just a really really weird look but um I like Frank Vogel I think um everything that he said so far about being um able to adapt and kind of adjust his strategies and his principles um I like coaches like that I like coaches that aren't uh aren't hard-headed with with their uh, mentality and and you know, don't believe that my way works no matter what. I like guys that they're flexible and will change uh, their approach. So he seems to be doing that. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how it, how it translates, translates on the court. But I think so far uh, he said the right thing. So. And, uh, yeah, there's some really smart high IQ basketball players on this team. Obviously, uh, Braun and Rondo, Danny Green, Jared Dudley. Um, how much of an impact do you think they and say they are going to get to have in the product that we ultimately see on the court? Well, I think, yeah, some of those guys, I mean, they're going to play a lot. I think Danny Green is a guy, like, I'm a big North Carolina fan, so I've, I've been <laughs> pushing for them to try and get Danny Green for a number of years now, so I'm really excited for him. But I think playing off of uh, two superstars for, for Danny Green is, is going to be just perfect for him you know as a as a guy that I mean he was really a 99th percentile shooter last year from the three-point line so you don't he's just not a guy you want to leave open and you know if you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis on the court somebody's going to be open so at times it's probably going to be him and if it's not you know the Lakers have I think enough shooting finally this year as opposed to last year um, to where um, they'll be able to take advantage of it uh, but yeah I mean they you know, they do have some some veterans this year. They're obviously a much older team than they were last year. They had a lot of guys that were in their early 20s um, that were doing a lot of the heavy lifting. And, and this year it's much more uh, – there are a lot more veteran presence uh, presences on this team. And um, uh, I'm excited for that. You know, it, it seems like they're a lot more in win-now mode. And, um, you know, I, like I said earlier, I really liked the young players that the Lakers had, and I liked the, the future that – um, it seemed like they were going to have together, but um, this this team, you know, I, I like the makeup of this team. I have some concerns here and there, but um, I think the the fact that they've got a lot of guys that have kind of you know played a lot of basketball, have playoff experience, and and all that, and experienced a lot of different things in the league, uh, should be pretty good for them. Yeah, so let's just jump into the off season here. It's hard not to talk about it. There just isn't that much to carry over from what we saw on the court last season with the Lakers uh, into this next season. So, yeah, I mean, let's let's just get it started here. Let's talk about the Anthony Davis trade. Mm -hmm. um, he, of course, was traded to the Lakers. Um, L.A. sent out two New Orleans uh, – excuse me, to uh, Washington went Maurice Wagner, a 2022 second-round pick, Jamario Jones, and Isaac Bonga. They traded to New Orleans, Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball, uh, 20 – 24 first rounder, 2021 first rounder, Brandon Ingram, a million dollars in cash, and the number four overall pick, which at that point had already become DeAndre Hunter, who was moved on to Atlanta. Uh, Washington sent some money back to New Orleans, and uh, New Orleans also sent a first rounder back to LA in 2023. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> a lot of moving pieces, but I mean, you know, a simple way to, to narrow this down is a ton of young players and assets went out and a superstar Anthony Davis came in. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, initially I thought they might've, it's weird to say they might've overpaid for a generational superstar entering his prime in Anthony Davis. I mean, Davis this year is probably a top five or six player in the league, um, especially with Kevin Durant probably going to be out, but um, it's cause it just seemed like the Lakers had a lot of leverage in this situation because um, you know, 
Davis and his agent, Rich Paul, uh, who obviously shares a, an agent with uh, – or is the same agent for, as LeBron James, they were really pushing that he's only going to re-assign long-term with the Lakers, right? And, you know, the Celtics really wanted him, but they weren't willing to give up major pieces for a one-year rental. So I thought the Lakers really had leverage, and I thought that they could kind of get away with keeping one or two of those those assets, maybe Alonzo Ball or Brandon Ingram. Um, and maybe swap or maybe swapping Kyle Kuzma for one of those two because uh, I was a lot higher on on Ball and Ingram than I am for for Kuzma. But um, I mean, at the end of the day, I think you you had to get that deal done. Uh, you've got an age thirty four, soon to be thirty five, LeBron James, and it, as as much as it it kind of sucked to to give up so many pieces um, for for one player. It's, I mean, it's Anthony Davis. I mean, this guy is insanely good and you're getting, I mean, he's basically become your future now. So while you don't have this young core anymore, I mean, they've given out a lot of pieces over the last few years, D'Angelo Russell, Julius Randle, um, plus this trade, um, you've got your prime superstar and assuming he doesn't leave, which I would be pretty surprised if he if he leaves after this season. Uh, he seems pretty happy here, and him and LeBron have have almost become like it seems like best friends uh, over the course of this off season. So, um, but I mean, you I think you had to pull the trigger on that deal. You had to just try and get it done, no matter what. Um, you appease LeBron, and like I said, you get your your franchise cornerstone. I mean, he's only twenty six years old, so I mean, you, you're getting him right in his prime years, and. Um, in two years um, after next season, um, basically all the Lakers' money comes off the books besides LeBron and Anthony Davis. So they'll have money, um, if assuming Davis is still around, to, to bring in some pieces that will obviously be um, attracted to playing next to, next to Davis and LeBron James. So getting that franchise cornerstone, I mean, a lot of teams aren't able to do that. So, you know, the Lakers have been, you know, luxurious um, – you know, it's been a tremendous luxury for them, obviously, to, to play in L.A. and have that market and, and all that to be able to attract those players. Uh, but this was a deal I think they just they had to get done at all costs, even if they had to overpay a little bit. Yeah, like you're mentioning, it's a guy you want on your team, especially next to LeBron and when LeBron wants him there. But uh, the young guys you gave out, and we'll get into the draft picks, but giving up, you know, Lonzo, Ingram, and Hart. You managed to keep one of them in Kyle Kuzma. Do you feel like that is the guy that you would have preferred to keep? Maybe uh, New Orleans didn't want him as much. And how do you think he fits with that duo, that main duo of Braun and AD? Because Kuzma's a guy that really is successful with the ball in his hands, right? Yeah, I, I think Kuzma's a decent fit. It's all going to depend on his three-point shooting. Um, his rookie year, he shot almost 37% from three. Uh, so he was pretty, I mean, he was pretty good there. And then Last year, it plummeted to 30%. So um, he's, his three-point shooting has to come around because the Lakers are going to need as much floor spacing as they can get with, with LeBron and Anthony Davis on the court. I mean, you just want to give those guys room to operate. Um, personally, my preference, um, I, I'm a big believer in um, having elite wing players in the NBA. So my preference would have actually been to keep Brandon Ingram. Um, I, I've, I've also just loved Ingram's uh, mentality and his work ethic ever since he's gotten in the league. Um, he, he's a guy that it just stays quiet and just works really hard. And, you know, he's, he's gotten better each and every year. And I think right before his injury last year, he showed um, a pretty big step forward after, uh, after the All-Star break. Um, and he was putting up really, really good production. Um, I would have also loved to keep Lonzo Ball because he's like the perfect fit um, in terms of kind of a lead guard um, that will play next to superstars because he's very unselfish. He doesn't need the ball in his hands. Good defender, uh, can create for other guys. So I thought if they could keep either of those two, it would have been a dream scenario. But the Lakers love Kyle Kuzma. Um, you know, he's become very beloved um, within that organization. Uh, Jeannie Buss loves him. Um, a lot of people in that front office are, are just big fans of his. And um, the fact that he's on a cheap contract as well because he was a late first-round pick uh, really, really helped uh, because Ingram was was due to get, you know, a big uh, payday in the next offseason um, a year from now. Uh, Lonzo, I think, is the, is the year right after that. So um, that had to factor in somewhat. But I think Kuzma's fit is – is pretty solid. It's just going to depend on his three-point shooting because he can really score. Uh, but I think for for him personally to make that leap, he's got to become better um, as a defender and and show a little bit of uh, a little bit of playmaking chops as well. Are you currently paying off student debt? 
Interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. Yeah, I have kind of a odd follow-up here just based on what you were you were saying with the young guy, all the young guys that have left, including uh, D'Lo and, and Julius Randle. I wonder, I know there's a lot of pressure to win every single year in Los Angeles. It's a massive mm-hmm. market. It's always going to make some sense to just go win now. And it's always also going to make sense to, you know, get LeBron James. If you can get LeBron James, it's always going to make sense to get superstars. If you can get superstars, but was there ever, was it, is there ever a point where you would have preferred to just see the Lakers grow through youth? Because like you mentioned, I mean, you could have a starting lineup of Lonzo ball, D'Lo, Brandon Ingram, DeAndre Hunter, Julius Randall. You could have Hart. Wagner, Bonga, Jones off the bench. And I'm sure there's many more that I'm not including, but there's been a lot of good young players going through this team. Was there ever a point where you think, say, you know, say this era of LeBron falls short, would you ever think, man, I kind of just wish that they had stayed young and grown organically? Yeah, I mean, I was kind of on that train for a while. I was actually really excited to see the Lakers kind of build through the draft and and get something that was going to be sustainable because they've – I mean, obviously, they had the the luxury of having Kobe for 20 years and having him, you know, throughout all of his prime. He was, I mean, he was one of those players, just like LeBron, that if you just have that that type of player on your team, you're at least going to be competitive. Um, so the Lakers were always kind of in win now mode. Um, so it was it was weird at first, but it was kind of a nice change of pace, I think, to have something where it's like, man, this team, if we keep these guys together, could be really good down the line. So I was all for that. I was really um, excited about watching, you know, a young core group grow together. Um, but as soon as, you know, Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka got in there, it was pretty clear that that was just not going to be, not going to be an option. Um, Russell was essentially traded for, you know, uh, just salary cap space, um, which I hated cause I was a big D'Angelo Russell fan. Um, they got a year of Brooke Lopez out of it, but um, Long term, it was all about creating cap space and, and freeing up a bad contract and, and Timothy Mozgov in that deal. But yeah, I mean, I would have loved to seen how that all would shake out. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, they get LeBron James, even though he's obviously older and the, the clock's kind of ticking on him. Um, but you get Anthony Davis out of it. And I've I've always loved Anthony Davis. He's just a generational talent. And I've always I've always said that in the NBA, I think, you know, you win. Role players are always important because uh, you always need them to kind of step up in some big moments. But your role players can't really do that if you don't have superstars, you know, to me, like in the playoffs uh, when the games really matter. So you win with your superstars in this league. you got to have them. And, um, you know, if you can get LeBron and Anthony Davis, as, as much as I hated to see the young players go, I mean, you kind of have to pull the trigger on that. Right. And then down the line, this, this could potentially hurt you a little bit. You know, what do you think about uh, giving up all these future first round picks and, and really, like I'm saying, so far in the future where, you know, there is potential that LeBron James and AD aren't on this team anymore? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's kind of a similar thing that they went through in 2012 when they traded some first round picks for Steve Nash. And then that obviously didn't pan out because he got, you know, he broke his leg his second game as a Laker and then was never really the same. Traded picks for Dwight Howard um, and it all fizzled out all, you know, after one season. And you know, the, everything just fell apart and they didn't really have a ton of, they got very lucky in the lottery several years in a row. Um, cause it could have been a lot worse than, than, than it was, uh, because the, the picks that they were keeping were very heavily or very lightly protected picks. Like, uh, I think one year it was top five protected and they jumped up to number two they kept getting the second pick, which was really weird. But, um, but yeah, I mean, they were lucky to keep top five, top three protected picks, um, to where the damage was a little more uh, minimal than than it could have been, but yeah, I mean, there's there's great risk when you trade um, a lot of assets like that, and I think the Lakers' asset management has been pretty poor 
Um, I think that they, I mean, letting Julius Randle walk for nothing right when I think he was becoming a pretty solid player, um, trading D'Angelo Russell basically for more cap flexibility, um, things like that. I mean, their, their asset management has been poor and, you know, it could, very well could come back to bite them. I mean, he, I, I'm assuming Anthony Davis is going to resign after this year. Um, but if he doesn't, I mean, we, we thought the same thing with Dwight Howard um, back in, in 2012, 2013. And, uh, you know, things just derailed quickly and, you know, he left and the Lakers, you know, obviously Kobe tearing his Achilles that year was kind of the nail in the coffin. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's a ton of risk with it for sure. Um, I think the Lakers, um, you know, if, as long as they have Anthony Davis, the risk gets kind of uh, minimized a little bit uh, because you have that superstar in place and you can always build around a superstar, I think, and especially if, if you're the Lakers because you have just certain advantages um, that a lot of teams in the league don't have. Um, it just kind of comes with the territory. And um, so as long as that's going to be their, their big thing, I think that risk uh, gets erased a little bit as long as they have Anthony Davis. Um, and then I think they'll be able to figure, out from, figure it out from there. Yeah, so so let's figure it out from there. Let's go down this roster. Um, before we get into the new additions, let's just talk about the guys that were retained, re-signed in the offseason. Uh, the Lakers brought back KCP, JaVale, Rajon, Rondo, and Alex Caruso. Um, I, can, I got the numbers in front of me, but none of them are massive deals. Uh, 216 for KCP, 28 for JaVale, 2-5 for Rondo. I believe that's a minimum with a player option. Uh, and Caruso, 2-5. Um, what did you think about these guys? Are you excited to have them back? Or would you have rather um, maybe moved on for one or two of them? I So the one guy I would have preferred to move on from was Rondo. Um, I just I'm, – I'm not a huge fan of his, his fit because – you know, he's, he's a guy, he's a good passer. I mean, he can create a lot of offense for, for guys. And really, I mean, this Lakers team does need it because I think they're kind of lacking in that department in terms of um, guys that can create offense for other players. Um, but he just, he's kind of a ball dominant guard. He kills their floor spacing. Um, I mean, if, if it, like, if you watch the, the Lakers play Milwaukee last year at home, Milwaukee was intentionally leaving him wide open at the three-point line so that he would keep shooting. He ended up shooting 12 threes. I mean, he made four of them, which isn't terrible. But you basically are playing kind of four-on-five on offense with Rondo uh, because, you know, whoever's guarding him just basically roams around and plays center field and, and just tries to help um, off of drives and cutters and things like that. So he just makes it very difficult. But I'm hoping uh, with Alex Caruso back, Caruso really – I mean, I've been kind of pushing for him to get some more playing time the last couple of years because even though he doesn't really look like an NBA player, he's actually really solid. I mean, he's a good defensive player. He's a lot more – I mean, he's a pretty good athlete. Um, and his shooting actually was pretty solid last year. Uh, that was kind of the thing two years ago was his shooting kind of came and went. Last year it was pretty good, and I think he can, he can create a little bit. He's just a really solid point guard, and I think he's the best point guard on their roster. Um, I like JaVale coming back. I think JaVale was actually really good for them until he, he ended up getting pneumonia around Christmas time. And um, it, it, it was tough for him to kind of recover from that. I think when he came back, it was tough to him, for him to get his conditioning back up and things like that. But um, he was really good. I mean, he, he defends. He's going to try and, you know, contest shots at the rim, even if it means he gets dunked on every so often. Uh, he's, he's at least going to try there. Um, and he, he's, you know, he's so long and athletic that – uh, he can finish players um, on the offensive end. He's going to have those opportunities as well. So him next to Davis will be really interesting because it's a traditional two big lineup, uh, but th- it's a lot of rim protection. So they shouldn't give up a lot of points in the in the paint with those two on the floor. Uh, so I was I was ex- I was pleased that they brought back Javale, and I was very pleased that they brought back Caruso. Um, Contavious Caldwell Pope is just he's so hit and miss. Uh, sometimes basically his highs are really high and his lows are very low. Um, if he's hitting threes consistently, um, you know, his, and his decision-making is good. He's a pretty solid player because he's a pretty solid defender. And if he's hitting the threes, I mean, that's, that's perfect. Um, but his decision-making, uh, is very erratic, takes some bad shots, uh, isn't much of a passer. Um, so, you know, it's, you just take the good and the bad with him. I was okay with bringing him back, but, um, yeah, two of the guys I was very, very happy with Rondo. I'm still indifferent on and, 
I'm hoping maybe with a new coaching staff, just different offense, different system, um, he can be better. But I'm, a, I'm pretty skeptical about that. Yeah, so that's all the guys that were retained. And then I'm going to run down the guys that were acquired in free agency as well. We talked a little bit about Danny Green. He's the big one here, two years, $30 million. Uh, And then DeMarcus Cousins was signed on a one-year deal. Quinn Cook on a two-year with a non-guarantee. Dudley, Jared Dudley on a one-year deal. Troy Daniels on a one-year deal. And Avery Bradley on a two-year deal. Um, I know that my co-host Brendan has a Avery Bradley fetish, as he does for all Boston oh, players, God. as he does for all former <laughs> Celtics. I don't know if you, if anyone else caught him call Rajon Rondo a high IQ player earlier. But Is he not? He did what do, do that. <laughs> no, no, you're right. All high IQ players punch their opposition and and toss terrible <laughs> pejorative uh, uh, slurs at referees. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I'm actually. I'm actually kind of excited for Avery Bradley, even though he did play for the Celtics, but um, he's, you know, he's, he said this a couple times, but he's 40 pounds lighter apparently than he was last year. 40? Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know I don't, about that one. <laughs> I, I was, I was a little skeptical of that number. I was like, dude, I don't think he had 40 pounds to lose, but. I think um, he must've said 14. That's insane, right? <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't know. I, I don't know how much I believe 40, but uh, he looks like he's in pretty good shape. He's been kind of a standout in Lakers camp so far. Um, and, you know, it's, it's been interesting because the last two years he hasn't been very good, but he's had a number of, of injuries he's been dealing with. Um, and I, I thought it was weird that his play was kind of declining because he wasn't really at that age. You know, he's in his late 20s. So wasn't really at that age where you start to kind of fall off a cliff in terms of production wise. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see how he does uh, because I think if he bounces back and has a pretty good year and plays to his capabilities, uh, I think that's a pretty big development for the Lakers because it's a guy that would probably start at that point guard spot, even though LeBron's going to be the offensive point guard and Bradley would guard the the defensive or take the defensive assignment. Um, so if he can bounce back, I think that's a, that's a big deal for the Lakers. I love the cousins deal. I hated, you know, I was really bummed that, that he got hurt um, because I thought his fit would have been perfect because he is a big guy that can shoot. Um, can he can create a little bit you know for for other guys and he can obviously score he's just individually really really talented player and I think next to to LeBron and Anthony Davis would have been um, really really fun to watch Um, but yeah I mean some of these guys I I really like I obviously talked about Danny Green earlier I think he's going to be a perfect fit Quinn Cook is a guy that I think will be interesting to watch because he's a good shooter doesn't really offer much defensively um, but I think if you have him out there with you know, with Anthony Davis, along with maybe Dwight Howard or JaVale McGee, um, you'll at least have some rim protection kind of as insurance with him out there. But he's – I think the Lakers are really going to get playing time for their their shooters, so I think that's where Quinn Cook's going to come into play um, because they're going to have open shots. You know, their, their two stars are going to just demand a lot of attention. So, And even a guy like Kyle Kuzma, I mean, is going to demand some attention um, when he when he's on the court. So – I liked a lot of the moves. Um, I just like that they kind of put a focus on shooting this year, whereas last year they didn't care about it and they were focused on just getting playmakers, and that obviously didn't work. But, yeah, I mean, I like the makeup of the roster. I, I think they could still use another wing player. Um, I think they're a little thin on the wing, which could be a problem. Um, we're all kind of – every Laker fan is hoping that Memphis – buys out Andre Iguodala at some point and hopefully he becomes available, but it doesn't seem like that's going to happen anytime soon. But yeah, I mean, I've got some concerns with the roster, lack of playmaking, uh, lack of wing depth, but overall, I mean, you've got two superstars, you've got some good role players in place. And um, you know, if a couple of those guys have bounce back years, I mean, it could really elevate this team. Yeah. You know, someone like Cephalosha would have been interesting on the wing there. He went pretty late. Uh, I definitely see what you're saying with that. And then the last guy that you guys picked up uh, from Memphis as well was Dwight Howard on that one year contract. Um, What did you think about grabbing him compared to, you know, Joakim Noah or uh, what was the story with like not bringing back Tyson Chandler, who was pretty good for you guys last year? What do you think about Dwight? I actually was pretty happy with the Dwight Howard signing. I mean, I, I was cautiously optimistic about it because obviously when a guy has bounced around team to team, being as good as he used to be, uh, you don't really see that a whole lot where, you know, 
I mean, Dwight back in like 09, you know, 2010 was legitimately a superstar. Like he was the best center in the league and was really, really good. And it's, it's weird to see him, you know, have, you know, tarnish his reputation basically and play for so many teams in the last few years. But um, I was optimistic about it because I think, I think he understands that this is kind of it. Like if this doesn't work out, I mean, who's going to want him? At this point, I, I think he's still a quality NBA player. His production's still been pretty good when he's been on the court, and I think he offers a skill set that's that's good for this team um, because he he does offer you know another strong presence down low, uh, you know, kind of a physical player that can rebound the basketball and can defend. Um, you know, anytime you can you know add defense, I think that's that's important to have, uh, especially if he is kind of anchoring that second unit. So. I'm optimistic about it. He said all the right things really, I mean, just before he even signed with the Lakers. And ever since he's, he's signed, you know, throughout the early stages of camp here, he's been all business and he seems like he's grown up a little bit, but uh, we'll see how it, how it pans out. I mean, it is a non-guaranteed deal. So if it doesn't work out, the Lakers can just cut bait. I actually did like him a little more. Um, in terms of on-court production more than than Noah. Chandler, you know, I was happy when they got Chandler last year. Uh, I just think he's at that age now where his body's starting to break down. And it seemed like once he got hurt last year, it was just kind of one thing after the other. And um, he wasn't really able to get back to um, his impact that, that we saw early in the season. Um, So I was, I was good with Dwight Howard. I think he was probably to me, at least the best option available in terms of on-court production for him. It's going to be, you know, everything that um everything between the ears with him basically it's going to be his mentality his maturity level and um how he handles just being a role player because that's what he's going to be and the lakers have made that clear to him um that he's probably not going to get a ton of touches and we're going to find out real quick uh, how serious he is about winning so if, if he does that i think um that's a pretty it's a pretty nice pickup for the lakers yeah so let's um just touch on the draft pick here uh tht Jalen Horton Tucker, pick 46. I know he was banged up, um, you know, right off the bat, but what are your thoughts on him in general? I guess it's probably more forward facing than uh, an effect on the team immediately, but what are your thoughts on THT? I couldn't believe he fell as far in the draft as he did. Um, and it's funny, a lot of a lot of people kind of, you know, that are part of Lakers Twitter, when the Lakers purchased that pick, he was kind of the guy we were all screaming for. Uh, I thought he was, I thought he was a first round value. Um, I thought he he should have gone a lot higher than he did. Um, I'm not sure exactly why he fell. I mean, maybe it's, I, I don't know. I mean, he's he's very young. Um, he's very very young. Um, but you know, he he's a little raw. But I mean, the the foundational skill set I think is there. Um, he's got unbelievable measurables um you know even though he's he's only listed at 6'4 I think he had like a 6'11 or 7 foot wingspan uh just crazy long arms crazy length he's a very strong player um you know has shown enough um shooting to where you you believe that you know he can be a a pretty solid shooter in the NBA and uh, I just really like his game I think he could be a a pretty good two-way player I think it's gonna take take him some time because you know, I, I don't, I'm not, I can't remember if he's turned 19 yet or not, but when he was drafted, he was only 18 years old. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I like his, his projection for the future and, and being that the Lakers are in win now mode and they've got these veteran guys on the team. Um, it's, it'll probably be good for him to learn from all these veterans, but at the same time, um, it's not like the past few years where the Lakers we're depending solely on their young players um, this time. I mean, with, with a guy like THT, they, they can bring them along slowly and, and kind of uh, work with them at a more reasonable pace as opposed to saying, you know, hey, you're number two pick. We're going to throw you out there because we need you to, to start and, and carry a pretty heavy burden for this team. So um, I like that they'll be able to bring them along slowly, and I'm excited that um, he'll be able to work with um, Phil Handy, a guy I mentioned earlier. Um, be curious to see what he can do with them. Yeah, I, uh, he was a guy I definitely liked in the draft. You mentioned all the potential, you know, I think only being 18 years old still, like you had said there. Um, maybe we can get to some of the position work on this team. You know, um, there's talk of uh, Braun playing the one, which I don't think is actually that weird. I think that he's done that plenty of times in his career. And yeah. if you have someone like Bradley there to actually guard the opposing ones, Braun can just play it uh, on the offensive end. And then this Anthony Davis thing where, you know, he doesn't really like to play the five, but that might be the best way 
uh, to use him. So mm-hmm. how do you see all of those working, you know, Jared Dudley thrown in there and just all the uh, potential various positions for these guys on this roster? Yeah, I think it'll be, I think you'll see, um, assuming they get to the playoffs, it'll be very different in the playoffs than it will be in the regular season. Um, for me, the ideal thing with Davis playing the center, because I think um, the most optimal combination for them is going to be Davis playing the center and LeBron at the four, um, probably Kuzma at the three, assuming his shooting comes back around, um, Danny Green at the two, and then we'll kind of see at the one. I would prefer Caruso at the one right now, um, but I could also see Avery Bradley, um, assuming he comes back and kind of has a bounce back year. But, but yeah, I think Davis playing the center, I mean, ideally in the regular season, you can, you know, you can probably, I would think, get 40 minutes uh, combined between uh, 40 minutes per game combined from Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee. I mean, that's only 20 minutes for each of them. Um, so I think if you can get like 40 minutes there and say that if it's a close game, you can throw Anthony Davis in at center for the last seven, eight minutes, you know, something like that, where you're optimizing probably your best lineup. Uh, when it really matters, but you're not you're not exposing Davis to playing playing center for 82 games. You know, I think that's his big thing, and he's he's dealt with a lot of uh, a lot of injuries. Um, luckily, nothing has been really major. It's been a lot of minor injuries, but at a certain point, you kind of worry that if he keeps piling those up, that something major is going to follow it. So, um, I think the Lakers have put an emphasis on taking care of their their guys physically. Like LeBron's already gotten rest days. Jared Dudley. Um, well, I didn't mention earlier, um, but I'm actually really excited for him because I think he's a he's a great locker room presence, a guy that just the type of player, I think, in terms of leadership that you need on your team. Uh, but he's gotten rest days as well because he's an older player. Um, so, I mean, LeBron's basically been a point guard. He was basically the Lakers point guard last year. As much as they said that they wanted him to play off the ball, he, he didn't really play off the ball. So he's going to initiate offense for the Lakers, and quite frankly, they're going to need him to because they don't have a ton of guys that can do that. Um, so him playing point guard isn't a big deal. But Davis, I think when the playoffs roll around, he's going to play center more, especially when teams start to go small. Um, he probably won't start at center, but in crunch time minutes, I think even during the regular season and especially in the playoffs, you're going to see him play center because – that's, that's what teams do now. You know, teams just go small. I mean, the Warriors often went with Draymond Green at center. So if he's at center, you know, against the Lakers, let's say in a playoff series, I doubt you're going to see Davis at power forward. I'm really relieved to hear you say that the best look for this team is AD at the five and LeBron at the four, because that's how I feel very, very strongly too. And I feel like this positional talk for the Lakers has been mostly nonsense. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, like, I totally get that LeBron James has been the primary initiator for really his whole career. That's what he's been best at. I mean, when you have a player as dynamic as him, you just get the ball in his hands every time. Obviously, there's no question about that. Um, but it just it's kind of it's kind of nonsense to talk about him. Oh, he's just our starting point guard. I feel like that came at a time. Um, near the end of free agency where the Lakers were not able to get a point guard that they could put their stamp on and say, hey, we got our point guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they kind of use that as a bit of a diversion. So because even if you, you know, you can say he's your point guard and then, um, you know, as Brendan mentioned, you can have Avery Bradley defending an opposing one or, or whoever it may be. It doesn't, it, that's still like we, we really define a lot of position by who you can defend anyway. So at that point, why is the 6'2 guy who's defending the point guard not the point guard? You know, I, I understand there's the offensive role as well, but there's plenty of wing initiators in this league. So it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Um, the, the Anthony Davis not wanting to be a five thing is very frustrating. Uh, I think it's so clear that he's, that's his best position and he's so good at it. Um, it's, not like, it's not like centers can't create. It's not like centers can't shoot anymore. Like that's where we're at in this league. Right. He, he's, a perfect, he's a perfect five. Um, and I think that bogging down the lineup with um, JaVale McGee for too much time just because he doesn't want to play the five, because AD doesn't want to play the five, would be a mistake. So I don't know. I just can't imagine. There's no way in the world that LeBron is going to spend the regular season like chasing around opposing point guards. That's just mm-hmm. that's an insane thought. So, you know, with that in mind, I mean, what do you think is the – I really like the Caruso shout out there for the for the starting lineup if possible. but 
yeah, well, I mean, what do you think is the starting five and maybe more importantly, the closing five? Yeah, if if I had to bet right now, I would say Bradley probably starts. It'll be interesting to see who they go with um, in their first preseason game tonight. Um, so if I had to bet, I would say Bradley probably starts because there's just been more glowing reviews about him in, in camp. And I think they probably trust his defense a little bit more than, than Caruso's, even though Caruso's pretty solid on that end. Um, if it were me, I would start Caruso at that lead, that point guard position, even though I don't, I, I think people put too much on positional labels. Uh, you know, if the Lakers would have came out and said, we're going to have LeBron initiate our offense a lot, instead of saying he's going to play point guard, everybody would have said, well, duh, you know? Um, yeah, no, I, exactly. Sorry. I just want to interject. Like I'm, I'm just so on board with that. Like, why not just be like, Hey, we're putting our best five guys on the floor and we're going to win. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just think people put too much uh, too much stock into what position guys are playing. Because even like with the Clippers, I mean, a guy like Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, even though they play on the wing, they're going to initiate a lot of the offense. Like they're going to have the ball in their hands a lot, even though they're not point guards. So and 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 like Pat Beverly for them is probably going to play off the ball quite a bit, and he's going to you know take open threes when they're there and you know do all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think that all the nonsense over you know, what position is who going to play and whatnot is, is, is really weird. But um, I, I do think Caruso, I think if I had to guess their, their best five this year. So I, I think they'll start Bradley, Danny Green, LeBron, um, Davis, and I'd say right now, JaVale McGee, uh, just because, you know, he played with LeBron last year. There's that familiarity there. Um I wouldn't be surprised if they try and squeeze in Kuzma there, but he's not healthy right now. So I'm not sure how they'll, they'll deal with that. But um, for me, their best five that's going to close games, I would probably say Caruso, Danny Green, uh, Kyle Kuzma, LeBron, and Anthony Davis. Because to me, you kind of go small. You can still space the floor uh, with really all five of those guys. Um, and you can switch a lot of things defensively. You know, Davis, you know, even though if he's playing center can – if you if they switch a pick and roll, for instance, you still trust that he'll be able to stick with a guard and utilize his size and his length to at least bother a shot. Or if they drive into the basket, he's you know an elite uh, rim protector and shot blocker. So, to me, that would be the probably the best five. But we'll see. I mean, we'll see how it how it develops. And you know, sometimes certain guys fit in an offense better than others. And um, but on the surface, to me, that would probably be their best five. The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast, and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Yeah, and, you know, I I like the five. I think that if you get it to a close game, it gets hard for me to not pick the Lakers in a close game there with that sort of lineup. But the question for me really is if they can keep up throughout the first three quarters when they go to their bench. Do you think that there's staggering of Braun and AD to kind of have one of those – real serious creators in the backup unit or uh how do you see the bench offense sort of keeping up yeah so that's that is one issue that or one concern I guess that I have is that if they don't stagger their lineups appropriately which was a thing that um a lot of fans were frustrated with with uh, Luke Walton there were just far too many times where LeBron Ingram and Lonzo were all on the bench where it's like they kind of needed one of those guys out there at all times um and Frank Vogel has kind of spoken exclusively about that uh, to where he, he plans to have, um, you know, one of one of Davis or LeBron out there at all times if he can. Um, so that, that's going to be important to have one of those guys out there. But when they go to those second units, I mean, that that's why, I mean, a lot, a lot of Laker fans are just love Kyle Kuzma and think he should start no matter what. Me personally, I would love to see him kind of play that sixth man role and just come in and play against second unit guys and be able to, you know, carry that scoring uh, coming in. I mean, he'd still be able to close games. I mean, people look at a guy coming off the bench, even as a sixth man role, as such a derogatory thing. Um, But I think Kuzma, you could still get him plenty of minutes playing as that first guy off the bench and 
um, being able to just, you know, kind of come in and, and tell them, Hey, we're going to put you with the second unit. We need you to go score. We need you to, you know, take open shots when they're there. Um, try and create offense, just do your thing basically. Cause Kuzma is a natural scorer and um, you know, he's a guy that's at, at his best with the ball in his hands. So if he's playing next to LeBron and Anthony Davis probably won't have the ball a whole lot. So I would like Kuzma to come off the bench. I think that would kind of um, eradicate some of the, you know, some of the, uh, some of the issues I think that they could see um, in terms of offensive production with the second unit. Um, But they'll just have to mix and match some lineups um, and kind of see what works and what doesn't. So um, you just never know with a lot of new pieces. I mean, there's probably going to be some growing pains early in the season, Um, but they're going to have to just mix and match combinations and see what lineups work and, and hopefully try and utilize the best ones. So we're going to get to wins and losses in just a second and get your impression of the over-under. But real quick, one thing we want to sneak in is um, identifying the biggest steps forward and the biggest steps back amongst the players on the roster. Uh, you know, I think Kuzma would probably be someone that most people are expecting to take a step forward or at least hoping to take a step forward. But it sounds like you're not quite as high on him as some. And then there are you know, just a lot of older guys on this roster, Rondo, Dwight, Jared Dudley, and of course, LeBron himself. Um, You know, if you had to project anyone to sort of start to age out or someone who is going to be bursting forward onto the scene and and coming into his own, who would you go with? So I actually think, you know, I'm, I'm still pretty high on, on Kyle Kuzma. I'm just not as high as some people are. I mean, some people like legitimately think that he's like, you know, on the verge of an all-star season. I would love if that happens. I just have a hard time seeing that. I think he's still a quality player. And I think some people underrate him a little bit um, because of all the the publicity that he gets. And I totally understand that. Um, But I'm still high on Kuzma. For me, the breakout guy this year is, is Alex Caruso. I mean, it feels kind of crazy to, to bring his name up so much, but um I think he's legitimately a good NBA player. You know, he's not going to ever be an all-star or anything like that. But I think he's just the perfect, like, steady presence that you want next to a couple uh, couple superstars because he does defend well. He's a good athlete. Um, you know, he can score, you know, in a, number, a couple different ways. Um, you know, he's, he's obviously got, you know, room for improvement. So I'm not trying to make him sound like he's a superstar or anything. But um, I just – I really like his game, and I think, you know, he's, he's a guy that – has had to start from the ground up in the NBA. I mean, he really kind of showed out on the Lakers summer league team. He's played on their G league team. And when he finally got opportunity last year, I mean, he took full advantage of it and he looks really, really good. And he's a guy that just, that works hard and just continues to try and improve. So um, I think if he gets the the necessary opportunity this year, I think people will start to take notice a little more um, because I think, you know, he gets, you know, a lot of, um, just a lot of crap because, you know, it's very easy for him. He said the other day that, you know, he's more than just a meme. You know, a a lot of people like to joke about him uh, because of his appearance, but I think he's a legitimate NBA player. And I think uh, this is a year that if he gets the opportunity, um, he'll be able to really display that. So I think he's the guy I'm keeping an eye on to really um, take a big step forward, probably the biggest step forward. Um, And as far as, you know, a guy taking a step back, it's it's really tough to say. I mean, I guess I would right now probably think JaVale McGee uh, just because I think if he does slip up a little bit and, you know, his production starts to drop, um, I think they've got a, a quality replacement basically for him um, in Dwight Howard. And I think they would have no issue going to Dwight Howard as long as he earns uh, that spot and saying, JaVale, we're going to bring you off the bench now and we're going to start Dwight. Um, and there was reports last year that um, – JaVale wasn't happy that Evita Zubats was starting to take minutes from him. And it's, you know, it's like you're a veteran in this league. I mean, you kind of have to understand how it works. I get it, it gets frustrating. But um, so I, I kind of worry about his his mentality with, with something like that, even though he was um, very uh, in favor of, of bringing Dwight Howard in. Um, we'll see. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, I could see a situation where LeBron's production drops, um, where I could see where he's still efficient, but he has said that, you know, he really wants to kind of feed Anthony Davis the basketball this year and, and kind of have it be his show. You know, I think LeBron really wants to extend his career as much as he can because it's, it's pretty well uh, publicized at this point that uh, 
Uh, he wants to be in the league when his son, Bronny, gets drafted, which, you know, seems like it's very high likelihood because Bronny's a really good um, player for his age. So um, I think LeBron really cares about extending his career, so I could see his production dropping just because he kind of takes a backseat a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it could be a number of players because the Lakers are uh, much older than than they have been in the past few years. Yeah, and uh, so – on to sort of the record of this team, you know, I, I think that uh, they're a very exciting and high potential playoff team, but the regular season wins are a little bit worrisome to me. And before we even get to this hard number, my question for you is if if Anthony Davis and LeBron James, LeBron James miss 15 plus games apiece, is there a chance that this team could completely miss the playoffs in a extremely competitive West? Yeah, I mean, there's always a chance. I mean, I think we saw it last year. I didn't think, you know, I assumed LeBron James is on your team, you're making the playoffs. I mean, it's just been a thing for a while, and I know he was in the Eastern Conference, but um, to me, LeBron was still LeBron. And if if he stayed healthy, the Lakers were going to be a playoff team, even with as young as they were. I mean, and before he went down, they were 20 and 14, and they were really kind of starting to play better basketball. They had just uh, steamrolled through uh, the Golden State Warriors um, at Oracle arena on Christmas day. So they were really kind of at the highest point of their season. So it seemed like things were really starting to trend up for them. Um, but you know, LeBron gets hurt. A number of guys get hurt. Lonzo got hurt. Um, Ingram ended up having a season in injury as well. Um, so injuries can always derail a season. I mean, I look at the Lakers back in 2012, 2013. I mean, people were writing them in as the, you know, a team that was going to make the finals because they had Kobe, they had Dwight, they had Nash, they had Pau Gasol. Um, they just, they had a lot of talent um, in terms of their, you know, their star players. And that team dealt with a lot of injuries, a lot of uh, drama in the locker room. And, you know, it took Kobe playing at a ridiculously high level to drag them into the playoffs as a seven seed that year. So it's always possible, especially because Davis has been injury prone. Like I was mentioning earlier, he's had a lot of a lot of minor injuries and, you know, you hope you avoid any of the, the big ones, but um, LeBron is at that age too, where if he's got a heavy workload, there is some risk for injury. So um, it's definitely possible. Um, but I, I think if they stay relatively healthy this year, um, that they'll at least be somewhere in the, in, in the top eight. Right. Yeah. And I just want to clarify because obviously every team has this whole, if their superstars get injured, miss extended amount of time that they could, have just a disappointment of a year but I feel like 15 games for each of those guys is fairly realistic more so for Davis who like you mentioned it's been a lot of small injuries uh, but that definitely could happen in, again and LeBron getting older so I, I guess more of the question is what do you expect health-wise out of those guys yeah I mean I wouldn't be surprised if they miss 15 games apiece um, anyways even if they stay healthy because the Lakers are you know are going to try and keep those guys fresh and and try not to overwork either of them. I think the important thing is if they do miss 15 games a piece, for example, that they're not the same 15 games, I guess. Like as long as you have one of them out there, I mean, you're going to have a shot to beat most teams. Um, you might not beat every team consistently, but um, you'll at least have a chance. I mean, even, you know, the Pelicans with Davis and, you know, not a, a great supporting cast around him. We're still very competitive. Um, until, you know, everything kind of derailed last year and Davis started sitting out games and whatnot. But um, as long as you've got one of those guys, I think the Lakers have enough around them to at least be competitive. The key is just not, you know, having it to where it's having Davis and LeBron out. As long as they got one, I think they'll be okay. Um, they If either of them misses, like, extended time, I don't think their seed in the West will be very good. Um, but I still think as long as one of them stays healthy, um, that they, they have enough around them. And especially the way their schedule kind of um, was was constructed. Um, I really like the way their schedule starts the first like 10 or 15 games. I think there's a lot of, a lot of winnable games there. And then about the last month of the season after mid-March, um, it's kind of the same thing where, where it's a lot of teams that um, are probably expected to be middle of the pack at best. So um, as long as they can, you know, avoid the, the big injuries. I, I think that they'll be fine, but um, it's, it, it's always a concern for sure. So they're over under is 51 wins. Uh, give us a win total for this team. Take the over under there and then give us a seed, a, a seed where what seed in the playoffs does this team land? 
So I made this prediction uh, the other day and or a week ago or so, and I guess I'll stick to it. I said 49 wins, so I would go with the under um, just because the team has had such poor injury luck the last few years, um, and it started this year. I mean, Kyle Kuzma's out right now with a stress reaction in his foot. Uh, they lost to Marcus Cousins before they even got him into training camp. Um, so – and I also think that they're going to, like I said, they're going to really try and keep their stars fresh. So that you're going to see rest days for LeBron and Anthony Davis and some of the older players um, probably more frequently than, than some other teams might do. Um, and honestly, I think it's fine. For the seed, I, I had them somewhere between probably uh, three and five, I guess. Depends on on how much rest they give those guys. But I'll split the difference and say, just say the four seed. I think the West this year is going to be very, very close. And I think teams are just going to beat up on each other. I'm not sure you'll see like a team that has like 60 plus wins in the West. Like there's not that golden state juggernaut this year that is just head and shoulders better than everybody else. I mean, there's, there's just a lot of teams that, you know, could, could win the West this year. And it's, you know, it's, it's pretty uh, exciting to, to see as a basketball fan, just the amount of parity that there is in that conference this year. Um, and I think, Teams aren't going to be overly um, invested in getting a certain seed. I mean, obviously, you want to get the one seed. You want to get home court. But I think the priority for every team in the West that's going to make the playoffs this year is just to be healthy because I think the teams are so – like from like one to seven, maybe even one to eight, um, teams could be so evenly matched. Like there's not a ton of, um, you know, difference there. Like, there, you know, some teams are going to be better than others. But – it's so close this year. Like it's so close. And I it, predicting like the, the order of the seating is so hard because it could be like um, what we've seen the last couple of years where, you know, for example, the, the three seed down to the seven seed is, you know, the difference is two games. You know, I think the standings will be pretty uh, bunched up like that. And I think teams are fairly even. We'll see if somebody breaks away from the pack or anything like that. But um the main thing I think for a lot of these playoff teams is just going to be getting in, getting in healthy. And for the Lakers, for Lakers sake, as long as they've got their two superstars healthy, um, I think you trust that no matter what your seat is, you get in there and you'll be able to do some damage. So I'll stick with my prediction I made uh, recently with 49 wins um, and uh, the four seed in the West. Yeah. And you know, last year that nine seed was uh 48 wins. So I get what you're saying. It's extremely close. And uh, OKC was 49 wins with the six seed and Sacramento doesn't really care who falls out to be honest. It can be anybody, but we just want somebody to fall out of there and sneak yeah. us into that seven, eight spot. But uh, I, I think the more interesting question is a little bit come playoffs. You know, I, I think like I mentioned, regular season, I have a little bit of worries, but if they can be close uh it, come the fourth quarter in games i think they have a chance against anybody is there any teams in the playoffs that that really scare you though when you feel like uh they would be more favored and have a better chance at this than the lakers most notice notably the team sharing the same arena as you especially with the strengths being their wings and we've identified the weakness as being wing defense for these lakers mm -hmm. yeah the, the clippers jump off the page when it comes to that just because if they're if they're healthy, I mean Kawhi showed just you know reminded everybody basically of how good he was last year in the playoffs. Um, just I mean legitimately top five player in the game, really really good um, on both ends of the floor. Paul George the same way. I mean people kind of started to forget about it, but he was playing. I mean he was an MVP candidate before you know he had the the two shoulder injuries. Uh, he was really really good for Oklahoma City last year. So if he gets back to playing that level. Um, you know, that's, that's huge for them. And they also, I mean, they have a good supporting cast. They obviously don't have the same supporting cast. They had to get rid of some of those guys for Paul George. Um, but, you know, Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, uh, Montrez Harrell, just they, they've got a number of really good role players around them. Um, so where they, they should be really good. And I don't know where they end up seating wise, uh, just because, you know, Kawhi is probably only going to play like 60 games because he's very you know, big on, on having rest days and, and the load management and all that stuff. Um, they, they jump off the page as, as probably the, the biggest threat. Um, but man, it, it really could be all six or six, seven teams. I think that that could be in the playoffs. I think Denver's really good. Um, and I think that they've, you know, made some, some small tweaks here and there to improve their roster. 
Um, Golden State, when they get healthy, could be really good. I mean, they still got Steph Curry, um, Clay Thompson, if he comes back and he's able to to play at you know the level that we've seen him play, along with D'Angelo Russell in the fold there. I mean, it could be a number of teams. The West, I think, like I said, I think the West is just going to beat up on each other this year, and I think win totals will be down. Um, but that doesn't mean that uh, quality is down. I just think there's more good teams in the West, and um, getting into the playoffs is is going to be tough. But once you get there, I think, man, it's it's anybody's ball game. So, final question for you, very last question, um, and this doesn't matter that much to the Lakers, which is weird. But we ask every every guest that we have on every team uh, project out for us what this team is going to look like in three to five years in terms of. Uh, their ability to compete for a championship or where they'll be in the playoff picture. Um, and I mean, you know, it, it doesn't matter because the Lakers are so focused on winning now, but it also is interesting because let's say three to five years, let's assume LeBron has just retired. Uh, and then where are they at? Depends on if they have Anthony Davis. I think if they still have Anthony Davis, they're going to be just fine. Um, the way that they've kind of structured their, their books I mean most of these guys are off the books in two years which ironically is when Giannis Antetokounmpo becomes a free agent not saying that they're going to get him but I think that kind of played a played a role in getting Jason Kidd in there because I don't know if Giannis uh really likes Kidd I think I've I've read that he does um but I honestly don't know um but they're they're positioning themselves like I think as long as Rob Palinka is the GM GM of this team, he's going to be going after big time free agents. It's it's just going to be what he does. I think uh, it, it's funny that as soon as he took over, that was kind of the emphasis was they wanted money so they could go after free agents. And it's like the Lakers have always their bread and butter's been acquiring superstars through trade. Uh, the last big free agent that they signed was uh, before LeBron was was Shaq. Um, and that was back in 96. So um, I, I think they'll be okay as long as they secure Anthony Davis long-term. As long as you've got that one superstar in place, you'll be able to attract certain certain players, especially being in L.A. and being the Lakers, this glamour franchise and all that. Um, I just hope that they get better with their asset management so when these picks start to kind of you know come back and, and their pick situation starts to to heal itself basically over time, uh, that they don't just uh, mortgage their their assets just for for salary cap space uh, because it's it's just such a risky game to play um, because you know just giving out young good young players or draft picks for the chance at signing guys couldn't go very badly if it you know if it doesn't work out so um, the key the key to everything for the Lakers future is Anthony Davis I mean you saw the price that they they paid for him in that trade at that point. That's, you know, them saying this guy is our future. So they're putting all their eggs in that basket. And um, as long as they've got him, I think they'll at least be, they'll be okay. And they'll be able to have a foundation to build around. Yeah. And it's a good guy to have for the future, obviously Um, already a top player and just hitting his prime, but uh, that's all that we have for you, Gary. And uh, again, anybody listening, you know, uh, sure. It's mainly Kings fans there, but you got to keep your enemies close. It's uh, (laughs) at Gary. Kester, was that the pronunciation of the last name? Yes. Okay, G-A-R-Y-K-E-S-T-E-R. Again, co-founder of the Lakers Outsiders and host of the Lakers Outsiders podcast. Thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the King's Pulse podcast. We have wrapped up our previews and are in full King's mode again with the season finally starting. So thanks again, Gary, and thanks to everybody for listening. You will hear from us again in the next couple days.